0: pharmaceutical technology presents the drug solutions podcast where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions from the technologies to the strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products this is the drug solutions podcast Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. Today we will discuss the 2022 trends along with a few trends that emerged in 2021. I'm Meg Rivers, Senior Editor for Pharmaceutical Technology, Pharmaceutical Technology Europe, and Biopharm International. I will be moderating this event alongside Chris Spivey, Editorial Director. Now we interviewed Quite a few people. I want to say it's more than 10 folks. We talked about a whole bunch of topics from bio manufacturing trends from 2021 to providing resources to customers and working with competitors as far as supply chain concerns, intensifying processes, remote work, sustainability, and APIs. Like we covered. quite a lot. So without further ado, let's just jump into today's discussion. In this first clip, we will hear from Peter Walters, Director of ATMP with CRB, as well as Yvonne Duckworth, Automation Engineer with CRB. They will be talking about biomanufacturing trends specifically in 2021.
1: Uh, At least from my standpoint, I've seen two momentous changes, not necessarily strictly between 2021 and 2022 or next year, Um, but uh, definitely over the last maybe two or three years is a massive shift uh, towards flexibility, going away from uh, strictly bespoke facilities that do one specific thing to more uh, adaptable, flexible facilities that can bring in different technologies possibly even different types of processing, different products, a big shift away from, yeah, like I was saying, very static type of design to more of a a flexible design that can adapt and evolve as companies use their space and their company profiles adapt and evolve to the marketplace. Um, The other big change I think we saw through uh, all the warp speed work as as a result of COVID-19 pandemic response has been speed to market went from being important to being the most important. Um, I think the rate at which warp speed work was conducted sort of redefined the entire industry's idea of what fast is and what could be possible. And as a result, (laughs) every company wants um, to build and to get get something in place that can be operational uh, heads and tails faster than what we were doing five years ago, even as a result to, you know, from, the, the growth of the general biotech industry, uh, a lot of leasable space is getting chewed up very quickly and absorbed. Uh, and so the need for companies to build a facility, um, to turn over a facility immediately can be a bottleneck for their their company profile, essentially. So yeah, speed to market, I think is is a huge one right now.
2: And then I would say from a, an automation um, perspective, I've definitely seen an overlap between what we would call IT and OT. A couple of years ago, um, you know, always being on the OT side of things, we weren't as involved in the IT part. That was, IT was kind of a separate piece of a project that um, was kind of isolated from the rest of it. But with the overlap of IT and OT, with the merging towards um, more digitalization, IT is part of all projects now. And we need to have that connect. And again, it goes back to connectivity. And having all that data talking to each other has really brought the IT world into the OT world. And to the point where I've seen a lot of companies now actually break the walls down, break those two silos down, and merge their groups together um, because there's such an uh, integration that has happened um, over the last year or two. And that's, again, due to the growing interest in digitalization and trying to increase levels of digitalization in Pharma 4.0 and companies. I would say also that the pandemic has had a really big influence on um, how we are doing things now. And accepting higher different levels of technology where we didn't before. So an example of that is during the pandemic, travel was restricted and um, something called factor acceptance testing that would be conducted on a piece of equipment prior to it getting shipped to a site would always be done in person. But during the pandemic, we couldn't travel. So we came up with alternate ways of of doing that. And the way we did it is using augmented reality and having that all done virtually. And that's become an accepted practice now. And I think there's a lot of benefits to that. It enables more people to be part of that initiative um, as well, as opposed to having the restriction of, you know, having to travel and, and, you know, it gets to be a little bit more costly. So it's a good way to bring more people into that process as well. But I think it's made people more comfortable with the level of um, digitalization and, and kind of doing things more in a paperless electronic environment.
0: Now we're going to shift to talking about trends that we see on the horizon for 2022. Keep in mind, these are insights from experts all across the industry, not a single niche. So we're going to get a lot of really cool perspectives. Some of these interviews were performed at trade shows, such as AAPS and Interfect. So if the audio sounds a little bit different, that is why we apologize. But hopefully you will all receive some really cool information because they had a lot of great things to say next up is gary martin vp of marketing with august bioservices who's going to talk a little bit about the demand for us-based suppliers as a trend in 2022.
3: one of the things that we see as a clear trend in 2022 is the continued increased demand for us-based suppliers cdmos Uh, we know how the global supply chain was exacerbated by covid Uh, and continues to be, not just in our industry, but uh, affecting the global economy.
0: Next up is Gabe Longoria, Chief Commercial Officer from Astria BioSeparations. And they are gonna be talking about quite a few things, but some of it is about providing resources to customers, working with competitors, and a couple other stuff. So I'll let Gabe weigh in here.
3: So I think the supply chain challenges have kind of forced a lot of organizations to actually align sort of their overall focus and what they're trying to achieve. And because of those challenges, I think we've had to kind of identify better ways of you know providing some of those resources, not just to customers, but you know, B2B as well. So I, I think it's just important to kind of recognize these things and these challenges. I don't think they're going away. I think we're still gonna see a lot of these challenges still happening for the next nine to twelve months. But as we start to get out of, you know, kind of this sort of I mean, we're all wearing masks, right? So out of this sort of COVID you know, and trying to actually um, look for where is the best alignment for those resources. I think, you know, we can try and understand as organizations to actually help one another. I think that's kind of the message, right? Where we're actually talking to a lot of our competitors to try and make sure that we can, you know, do the right thing for customers, which is very, very interesting. You know, we've had to find better ways because it's forced us to actually kind of work with one another, right? Standardization. Yeah, standardization. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the end point is, is what does the customer experience look like? And we want to make sure, and I think all organizations are focused on that, right? So that's kind of forcing us to all work together to be able to achieve that.
0: Next up is Marilee Whitney, the head of Biocontinuum Platform with Millipore Sigma. They talk a bit about intensifying processes, digitizing, and remote work. Let's hear what they have to say.
2: I think there's a lot of areas of interest right now, but what we're really seeing people focus in on is the ability to intensify their process and how to better digitize and automate their processes. COVID, if nothing else, has taught us that we need to be more efficient, we need to be able to monitor and work more remotely. And you know the technologies, especially on the digital side that we're developing and we've launched, are helping customers to be able to be more efficient, manage their process remotely from a centralized location Um, And I think that's just gonna be something that's gonna become more and more critical moving forward. So it's, it's a really hot topic here right now.
0: All right, next we are going to hear from Helen Anderson, the commercial lead for USA at Aspen. I had the opportunity to speak with Helen at AAPS. Super, super awesome conversations, but they're gonna talk about sustainability in APIs. And we are looking at trends
4: in 2022 of more sustainable, Uh, APIs coming out, more sustainable processes, really looking at the carbon footprint in the pharmaceutical industry. And and we see ourselves moving into more higher unit active products that allow lower dosage forms of of products to be used so that we create a a much more patient-friendly environment.
0: Next up is San Kang, the chief technical officer for JSTAR as well as Porton they also are going to talk a bit about apis as well as a drug product interface
3: the hardest trend in crystallization that's my forte is that the interface between api and drug product is a traditional barrier to development is slowly being lowered because people on the api side and the drug product side are working together closer both in the way they work, and on the kind of technology that we have developed in the last few years that combines crystallization in the presence of excipients, which are typically separated from the API production.
0: Interestingly, we have a lot of insight on APIs for this particular podcast. Hope you all are finding that helpful and insightful. Next up is Anil Kane, who is the Global Head of Technical Scientific Affairs, Pharma Services with Thermo Fisher Scientific, and they're going to talk about API and excipient trends.
4: We are seeing a, a lot more improvement in the quality of the excipients. Uh, examples mean co-processed excipients for different functional excipients, it could be we do enhance the flowability, uh, enhance uh, the lubricant effect, uh, enhanced uh, disintegration, dissolution of uh, the drug substances uh, from oral solid formats. Uh, we also see uh, polymers uh, with uh, different uh, functionality, for example, uh, helping uh, release in the different pH of the GI tract. Uh, and these polymers are helping the drug industry in delivering uh, target-specific dosage forms, whether it's capsules or uh, tablets. We are also seeing uh, improvement uh, in, uh, we call it excipients, but these are capsules as well For example, availability of enteric capsules that would help uh, develop uh, enteric capsules, taking the molecules uh, through the clinical stages and all the way to commercial as well. So the enhancement in uh, having a better quality of excipients and functionality of excipients helps the dosage form uh, industry to develop uh, better formats to take them to clinic and to commercial.
0: We will now hear from Matthias Putserius, who is the VP of Actives and Formulation with Millipore Sigma, and they will be talking about also API and excipient trends.
5: A a few trends really stand out. So pipelines of our pharma and biotech clients are clearly diversifying. This is strongly driven by um, the emergence of novel modalities, plus there's an ongoing trend um, towards outsourcing, and that is accelerating. Specifically, biotech companies increasingly look for partners um, who can provide integrated offerings. Let me give you an example around mRNA or nucleic acid based drugs. Today, pharma companies that intend to outsource the manufacturing and formulation need to work with four to six different CDMOs, and this adds huge complexity and time to the process.
0: Great. Now we're going to hear from Jeff Woodhead, who's the Senior Scientist with Simulations Plus. This was particularly interesting to me since it was switching from a lot of the manufacturing topics and development topics to more digital stuff. And it sounds like they're anticipating some more interest in modeling services in 2022.
1: What I've been seeing so far is the past few months, we've been getting a lot more uh, people coming to us asking about modeling services, especially on the Dilli SIM side, which is Dilli SIM services, QSP, QSD uh, modeling. Whether that is the companies waking up from their COVID-induced comas, or that is part of a broader shift towards modeling and a broader appreciation of modeling, I don't know. I, I hope it's as much the latter as it is the former, because I think modeling has a lot to offer people, uh, and would love to see that, that trend continue.
0: Next up is Gregory Lane, who is the Senior Research Investigator for Bristol Myers Squibb. Our editorial director, Chris Spivey, had a chance to speak with Gregory and they talked a lot about developments in treatments. So I thought this conversation was really interesting and hopefully you do too. I'll let them uh, get to it.
4: Yeah, in, in
5: therapies have really made some inroads in the past roughly five years. Because these are personalized, most of them are personalized per patient. So it, it, it's it's a difficult spot most of these patients find themselves in. They've already tried just about every other therapy, and they've been through the ringer. I mean, this is, this is almost a last chance for a number of them. And you're taking cells out of their body and then growing them, inserting some piece of DNA into it, and then putting it back in their body. So... This is not one you can make mistakes. (laughs) This is not something you, you can say, sorry, can I have more of your cells because that last little batch didn't work out quite the way I intended. No, (laughs) Uh, that's not how it is. And then you're talking about things that are potentially curative, uh, that really put the disease either in total regression, uh, remission, or at least don't require this level of intervention for a foreseeable future. It's still a difficult therapy to tailor it to each person. And when it goes back into the body, there are sometimes side effects. But look at the number of companies that are still pursuing this from small companies that may be in the biotech areas around the world, but then get integrated into larger pharmaceutical companies. So it tells you that these are important therapies. They are tailored to individuals. And there are plants being built both in the United States and Europe, in particular, to now uh, enlarge the scale of this type of therapeutic treatment. So you, it obviously is important. Um, it seems to be mostly geared around the types of, of cancers that are that are out there, particularly in, in the blood blood type of cancers. But again, these these are areas that were not being treated successfully, or were but not enough to really have a have a profound effects, like the CAR-T therapies are in the current regime. And they're just going to get better over time. There's no question it will get better. Um, it's very early in that, in that game, but it has changed uh, lives around the world. No, that's a paradigm change. It's almost shocking to hear the word cure used in the sentence kind of thing. It's just as it relates to cancer. Yeah, that's those are two Cs that don't always go together. And (laughs) like, well, that that would be really interesting. I mean, let's face it, the cancer stuff has moved from the 70s and 80s to from civil war type surgery, US reference, right? (laughs) Just barbaric type blast the cells and blast the body to try to kill the cancer to something that's actually moving towards with minimal side effects. And I'm talking about the immuno-oncology drugs as well as the CAR-T, there's still side effects there too. But the fact that we are moving from blasting the cells and the cancer cells with toxic ingredients to something that's at least going to A, have lower side effects and B, a much greater um, patient outcome, I think really speaks to the fact that the science has been evolving over the last 20, 30, 40 years. For the audience members joining us today on the live airing of this episode, we'd love to hear from you. What are you seeing in the industry? Any 2022 trends that we should have been aware of or that you're aware of and just want to share? You can submit your response by emailing ptpress at com. So that's ptpress at mjhassos.com. If there are specific topics you'd like to see and hear on pharmaceutical technology, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy this episode? And if you did, please share this with colleagues who you think would enjoy the content.
0: Thank you, Chris, and thank you to our experts for sharing their insight. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors in February. If you want to stay in touch with the Pharmaceutical Technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our e-newsletters. When you sign up for our newsletters, you'll be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, and more. We also have a new video series called Drug Digest, which you might be interested in as well. And of course, it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. (laughs) Thank you to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast 2022 Trends, and we will see you next time.